0: Welcome, everyone, to our first BAMS radio following the season opener. Uh, you know, we've been bringing you some preseason shows, but now it is upon us and the uh, season is underway. Alabama uh, with an unbelievable performance, 51-14 to 14 in Orlando, Florida, the Camping World Classic. Bobby Petrino, some of his players, they were loose with their lips and they were zipped quickly last night as the University of Alabama eviscerated Louisville And, of course, put away some of those bad memories from uh, one of my cohorts who will be on the show with us soon. Uh, William Redfish Barger, we're about to introduce him, and Thomas Watts here for this edition of BAMS Radio. But uh, now evening that slate with Louisville, the last time they had faced the Crimson Tide, of course, the 1990 Fiesta Bowl. And as I had a chance to speak to Gene Stallings this week, and he said that was the only bowl game he ever lost in his career as a coach. And it still kind of sticks with him. But Alabama erasing a lot of those memories. But we are here at BAMS Radio. I'm Drew Dearman, along with co-host and producer Thomas the Wizard Watts. uh, Always does a great job behind the curtain. And, of course, our third cohort, William Redfish Barger from 89 to 93, a member of the Crimson Tide uh, and a national champion as well. William, welcome back. Quite a performance for Alabama. And as I was saying, uh, helped kind of put some of those bad memories that I'm sure that you had about Louisville in the past. (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, um, you know, Coach Stallings is being a little bit disingenuous with you about that story <laughs> that he told you. Um, he, he he turned that fiasco bowl uh, kind of into a mini spring training. Right. And, and you know, because it was such a senior-laden team, and because I was a starter as a redshirt freshman, I, I kind of, you know, fell in with the, with the upperclassmen and didn't have to do all hell of a lot. But, you know, after beating Tennessee and Auburn, um, he kind of felt like that was a free pass. Um, you know, I think probably one of the, you know, aside from just being turned loose in a, in a great town, college town, like Tempe, Arizona, Scottsdale, Phoenix, where we did all of our events. Um, you know, the most memorable thing I'll have about that practice leading up to the game was uh, a pretty famous quarterback uh, that was a recruit at the time. Him and his parents came out there. Uh, spent on their own dime to watch us practice. And that was one Eric Zier, um, who a lot of people felt like was going to end up at Alabama probably saw the, uh, moose tracks of the Gene Stallings, Malmore offense and decided to go to Georgia. But, uh, it was certainly interesting times. Um, never had a, a bowl practice before or after that. that was like that. But, uh, you know, I had the unenviable task, Drew, of, uh, trying to block a guy by the name of Ted Johnson, um, who was 6'6", 350 at the time.
2: Uh, oh, yeah. Doing a
1: couple Super Bowl rings for the New England Patriots. And, uh, you yeah, know, it was not a fun day for uh, one Will Barger. <laughs> yes. But uh, That's
0: a great point. So,
1: you know, but, again, I, I thought, the, the, you know, the, the game last night was outstanding. I, I was blown away by, you know, Mike Loxley's game plan and, um, you know, how he was setting up plays. Um, you know, I think any time that you can score on every level of the team, offensively, defensively, um, even though the punt return was called back on two two levels of the special teams with the punt return uh, by Jalen Waddle, and certainly the kickoff return by Josh Jacobs, I mean it was a, a dominating victory. Um, you know, I, I've got really nothing negative to say about the performance. Um, it, it was unbelievable. Um, you know, to me, I, I didn't really see anything that I didn't expect out of Tua Tonga To me, I thought the the breakout performer was was one Jalen Waddle. I mean, even mm. all the stuff that you know we had we had seen and heard, you know, throughout the summer, I still didn't have a lot of confidence that Coach Nick Saban was going to place him back there on punt returns. You know, you know from the get go. But what a dynamic performance by a true freshman in his first game! Uh, you know, certainly Tua didn't uh, do anything to, uh, you know, extinguish the Heisman Trophy talk about his performance. You know, he's after his first college start, he's number one in the country in total QBR rating. Um, I just, I don't understand, you know, Drew and, and Thomas with with our fan base the way that they are. There's there's people on the internet today and last night, you know, bitching about the offensive line. The defense is taking a step back. Um, you know why in the hell did Nick Saban play the quarterback situation out the way that he did and I don't see why any of those things were unexpected and then he have got also you know the, the segment of Alabama fans that's attacking Nick Saban and uh, um, you know kind of his uh, uh, moral compass for the way he handled that interview with Maria Taylor which I don't have a problem with that either he was sending a message to his team so I, you know This Louisville team may not be what they were last year under Lamar Jackson, the Heisman Trophy winner. I don't know if they'll win a bowl game. Um, But, again, let's don't forget, you know, that quarterback last night that you saw throwing for all those yards against that Alabama defense, Nick Saban could have signed him over Jalen Hurts and chose not to. So um, I I look at it as – I was very impressed when you look at, you know, all the new newcomers on that Alabama offensive line, um, you know, it was to his first full start, you know, even though he didn't play four quarters, uh, did a fantastic job. I don't know whether I, you know, gassed a, a sigh of relief more when he got up from getting a little uh, dinged up with a little minor, you know, uh, blow to the head there in the first quarter versus, seeing Quentin Williams grabbing his knee, uh, which that was not a chop block, by the way. I've seen that all over the Internet today as well. For it to be a chop block, two offensive linemen have to be engaged and one has to go low and one has to go high. It was just a cut block. But I thought it was a great performance. You know, you you factor in the penalties, the Devonta Smith fumble, the block in the back that was called back on, on Waddle's punt return. I mean, it, it could have been 80. 14 um i I thought it was a great opening performance even though it was kind of sloppy from a penalty standpoint um i just think that you know when you look at this drew uh you know when you factor in a healthy josh jacobs um you know you know what waddle brings to the table you know and, and again tomorrow if somebody goes to practice and Jalen Waddles not inserted next to Josh Jacobs on kickoff returns, then maybe it's time to be critical of Nick Saban because he's that good. Uh, well, I thought it was a great performance, and uh, I'm interested in your thoughts as well.
0: Well, and I wanted to ask you uh, to to expand a little further because I did think the offensive line had a few rough moments, but that has to be expected. The fans have to understand, and I was explaining some of this last night to the people I was with and even uh, texting some people, because they, there's only one guy that's in the same place he was a year ago, and that's Jonah Williams. You've got Alex Leatherwood at right guard, Jedrick Wills at right tackle. His That was Wills' first start at Leatherwood's as well. Ross Pierce-Baker is now the center after playing left guard for three years. You've got Lester Cotton switching from right guard to left guard, and then you've got, of course, Uh, You know, you've got uh, your left tackle, the only one in the same place, Jonah Williams. Talk about how long it takes to get get that chemistry going along that offensive line. And I think that kind of should explain to some of the listeners why there was a few rough moments, uh, uh, you know, especially considering Louisville was being so aggressive. Brian Van Gorder was sending the house a lot up the middle.
1: Yeah, Brian Van Gorder basically tried to replicate the Texas A&M game plan from last year, Drew. I mean, they were run blitzing, stunning, uh, you know, bringing seven and eight guys, and you can't block seven or eight guys with five. You know, they had to settle down and absorb that a little bit. Yeah, in the first quarter, um, Leatherwood had a couple of whiffs um, in pass pro. That first sack that Tua took was on Leatherwood. Um, but, but I thought as a whole uh, that they did very well. Um, you know, anytime you can pass for 300 and rush for 200, um, you don't get that kind of production if the offensive line isn't doing their job. And, uh, you know, that's going to be a challenge for them going forward as, as you know, each week the defensive coordinators on the other side of the ball tries to figure out a recipe to, to slow this Alabama offense down. And, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here telling you, based on what I saw last night with a healthy Josh Jacobs, you know, with Jalen Waddle filtered in there, um, you know, as the season goes on, the reps are going to be more heavily weighed towards Tua Um, Tunga-Vailoa. You're going to have to be able to outscore this offense. And no, uh, the the defense has not taken a drastic step back. You, You saw how little rushing yards Louisville had last night. Um, a lot of those busts in, in the passing game, they weren't on the secondary. They were on Dylan Moses and Mac Wilson. They were on the two inside linebackers for letting running backs release freely out of the backfield, not getting into their drops quick enough. Um, all, you know, communication-type stuff it can be cleaned up. It wasn't like Alabama was outclassed athletically. You know, they did get out-schemed it a few times. But I just thought it was a very positive opening game. Um, you, you know, you can come up with all these different scenarios um, about how that game could have been seventy to seven if you you know you take the Christian Miller just you know totally uncharacteristic uh, personal foul for him after the play was dead that extended that drive for a touchdown and you know almost cost him Quentin Williams for the season as well.
0: Yeah, and also, people got to remember, most of the – Anthony Jennings had a mistake, too, with illegal hands to the face. Uh, They had them stopped, and, you know, they were going to have to punt the football, and Alabama was going to have the ball near midfield more than likely, Uh, and that that was another unfortunate penalty. So they can clean the penalties up. Uh, I know there's some angst in the kicking game because of Austin Jones missing an extra point and a short field goal, but uh, looking at Nick Saban's reaction, And then watching uh, Mac Jones replace two, I think there were some issues with the holding, also with maybe one of the snaps. So that can be fixed and cleaned up. I think Austin Jones will be fine. Uh, The punting was a little iffy, but we've always told everyone that DeLong would be a work in progress. Certainly, I think he'll get better as well. And that's all overshadowed by what Jeff Banks has done with the return game. Uh, certainly helping recruit Jalen yeah. Waddell. He was the real deal. He had one. He almost. I, I predicted he would take one to the house. He almost did. Got called back. Uh, Joshua McMillan with an illegal block. Uh, but certainly Josh Jacobs on the kickoff return. We are now seeing how dynamic Josh Jacobs can be. Healthy. Uh, that was a heck of an effort by him and a good touchdown run. Uh, and and then and his presence helped over. Uh, you know override. Najee Harris being back, but not 100% yet. I think what you saw from Najee, he, he he didn't quite have the same burst as usual. People were talking about that, but you have to understand that's lack of live reps. He has not been practicing much except in the last few days, uh, and he hasn't had any game action, and so he's still getting back. And so uh, Just wait. In another month, Najee Harris will be fine once he's back in the routine. It's just sometimes, and Anthony Jennings as well. People were talking about Anthony not being as explosive as he was against Clemson. That was his first game back from an injury, William, and I know you saw that as well from the outstanding reporting of Matt Zenitz of AL.com. You know, Anthony almost lost his leg because of a blood clot that they had. Luckily, Jeff Allen and the trainers found. So you, you have to understand, all these guys, when you're coming back from an injury like that, it took Dante Hightower a good while, a season and a half, to be himself again just give Anthony Jennings time he will be back and i think the, and i agree with you i think overall there there there's some little things you can nitpick on and Nick Saban loves that cuz he gives him things to raise hell about but uh, overall it was a great opening performance and i think Puma pass really impressed me you know, getting away from and Williams, who I thought Quinnen and Deontay Thompson were the two alpha dogs of that defense last night. The way he got away from Quinnen, who was so quick off the snap to avoid a sack and get a seven-yard completion. Bobby Petrino does a great job with quarterback development. Louisville will be a bowl team. I'm telling you, they're, they're going to be a pretty good football team if they can figure some things out. A couple of their better defensive players got banged up last night. But they'll be a pretty good team. I just think Alabama made them look bad, and you can do that when you have Hawaii five zero at quarterback, who I'm telling everybody, Tua Tonga I mean, I'm getting some heat on Twitter today. People think I'm being too much of a Tua homer. How can you, how can you when you watch what we saw? I mean, and as I as I told someone on Twitter today, I'm not being critical at Jalen Hurts when I'm pointing out that Tua Tonga is the better player, and Mac Jones is a better fit for the offense. They just You know, it's not disrespecting Jalen. Jalen needs to transfer somewhere where he can play in a spread option to showcase his talent. I mean, bottom line is, Tua tonga Valoa is special. The way he throws the football, and and what was amazing is how good he was on third down last night. He's so accurate and so poised, and he was able to continue to move the football team. If he had stayed in the game the whole first half, uh, like I thought he should have, it would have been 42 to nothing. In my opinion, but I mean, I, I had told everyone that I thought Jalen would get in when Alabama was up. You know, three scores they did. They gave him back-to-back series. Decided to do it in the first half and then brought uh, Tua back in and he he threw the dime to Judy on third down. But still, uh, I just think you saw the and talent as throwers because Jalen's just a different kind of player. And Mac Jones finally got his first action, but he fits the offense better as well. It's just it's not disrespecting Jalen. It's just the fact that he's playing, uh, he's competing against a guy that's a first-round pick and Tua Tonga-Vailoa, and he just doesn't fit this offense. But I think Alabama fans should be focused on more, on being more excited about watching Tua grow because, William, I know you were watching it last night, like myself, and just you're, he just continues to make your jaws drop with how accurate he is with the football.
1: No, and I, I, I can honestly say um, – that you've never been disrespectful towards Jalen. I think you've, you've called it right down the middle. Um, you know, I think the, you know, the defining moment of, and that's why, you know, when we were going through this back during the summer, um, you know, kind of debating a little bit about when Jalen was going to be inserted. Um, he was inserted exactly when I thought he was going to be. And I thought that the the pass on third down, where, you know, he threw the pass to uh, Devonta Smith on the go fade pattern. Kind of sums it up in a nutshell. It was a good pass. He just threw it to the wrong side of Devonta Smith's body. Um, Had it been thrown to the inside, Devonta would have caught it. It would have been a first down, and they'd have kept right on going, but Jalen didn't for whatever reason. Um, uh, You know, also something else, you know, like we were talking about off the air, um, where so many Alabama fans seem to be a little bit disgruntled about the offensive line play last night. Let, let's don't forget, you know, aside from Jonah Williams only being the, the, the one guy that's in the same spot that he was last year. I think you also have to factor in uh, the flip-flopping of Jedrick Wills and Alex Web- Leatherwood back and forth between right tackle and right guard um, during the middle of fall camp. Um, you know, both those guys, Had to cross train, so that there was a little bit of, you know, some newness there as well. Um, I'm going to go on the record and say right now, just based on watching him in his first start last night, that Jedrick Wills is the second-best offensive lineman on the team. Um, Makes everything look easy for somebody that's as massive as he is. Uh, Probably has more of a guard body than a tackle body, but he's got such elite feet so fluid, just makes everything look dumb uh that he does. But, you know, that that offense is a ticking time bomb. You know, when you factor in a healthy Josh Jacobs with the emergence of Jalen Waddle, um, great throw by Tua at to Jalen Waddle last night. Nobody could have caught it but Jalen and he did. Um, you know, the thing that stuck out to me, Drew, about that offensive attack and certainly too is the uh, the trigger on that is, you know, you don't really have a big physical, you know, tall six foot four guy like a Julio Jones or an AJ green in that wide receiver core. But when those guys get the ball distributed to them by Tua on slants, crossing patterns, uh, you know, underneath routes, I mean, they explode once they get the ball in their hands. I mean, some of them, uh, you know, Devonta Smith, Henry Ruggs, you know, they look like Barry Sanders as a running back in the open field. And they just put separation between themselves and the defenders in such a quick manner. I, you know, I just think as this, this whole thing continues and develops, uh, you know, going forward throughout the season. I, you know, obviously I don't expect Arkansas state to challenge them this week. I got to be totally honest. I don't think Ole Miss will challenge them. Um, overall as a team level. I think the the circle on the schedule um, is September the 21st versus Texas A&M. That's when we're going to find out, um, you know, when the pot meets the kettle. But um, it was an outstanding performance, I thought, with with a lot of, you know, kind of sloppy plays on defense last night, uh, which was to be expected, you know, with three new defensive coaches over there with, you know, a revamped secondary uh, you know, one thing, like you said, I think we both agree that and Williams and Deontay Thompson were the stars on defense last night. And, you know, I think this is something that I go back all the way to uh, 2012 that I can remember Jeremy Pruitt saying. And I think Deontay Thompson falls into this category very quickly. Um, you know, you bring a guy in like that that's so talented and he's forced to play behind – somebody else that maybe not be as talented as he is they don't learn the playbook for a year or two they get on the field in year three uh they excel and shine and guess what happens they turn pro on you and i fully expect that to happen with deontay thompson at the end of this football season
0: make a great point deontay i thought was outstanding so long such were So rangy, uh, he did miss one tackle on the sideline during that first touchdown drive. It made very few mistakes, uh, and I thought uh, he was outstanding. I think the pass rush will get better. Uh, there were some people talking about that a little bit, but I, I, I still give Bobby Petrino and his staff a, a lot of credit for some of the game planning they did, uh, and they were able to move the ball at times. I knew they would make some plays uh, against this Alabama defense that's, uh, uh, you know, uh, rebuilding. But luckily, you know, Quentin Williams, they dodged that bullet because he was probably the best defensive lineman uh, on the field last night for Alabama. Certainly Raekwon Davis had moments, as did Isaiah Buggs. Uh, But I think uh, Quinnen had the kind of breakout performance you were uh, alluding to all summer, William. uh, Certainly uh, the redshirt sophomore uh, from Winona was outstanding, uh, playing the nose there so quick uh, with the – uh, you know, uh, six-and-a-half tackles, three-and-a-half for loss, and didn't even get credit for that. He got credit for a pressure, but certainly could have had a sack, as we talked about with Jawan Pass, with that outstanding uh, job that he did, uh, you know, uh, you know, avoiding that sack, getting the completion. But overall, uh, like you said, I, I thought an outstanding performance. And I've got to ask you about Jalen Waddell. We've talked about him all offseason. Uh, he certainly lived up to it and more with what he did in game one. But I could not help but continue uh, to flashback, when he cuts, William, and the way he moves, he reminds me so much of your former teammate, uh, David Palmer. Uh, Pop, he just, he just he's the closest that I've ever seen to him the way he moves.
1: Yeah, he does, but, you know, let's be honest. I mean, when, when David Palmer was, was timed by the pro scouts, he ran a yeah. 4.85-40. Yeah, That's
0: he didn't have the 40 speed, anybody, right.
1: You, you never saw anybody catch Pop from behind, number one. But, but I think Waddle is on another level. Um, you know, I think he – you know, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but he was punted to outside of the fair catches. I think he was punted to last night four times uh, and averaged 20 yards a punt. And yeah. that's in his first yeah. college debut. Now, mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you right now, um, if Arkansas State's got a – you know, a, a head coach or a special teams coach with an IQ north of 70, <laughs> they're going to start the trend
0: this Rugby style.
1: Saturday at 2.30 where, you know, they squib kick the ball and kick it away from him, which mm-hmm. accomplishes – you know, it kind of takes away the ability of him to use his talents to take the ball to the house. But it, it accomplishes the same thing in another manner where Alabama's offense is going to get the football in great field position. Um, I would love to see Nick Saban pull the trigger and, you know, replace Travon Diggs on kickoffs with Jalen Waddle. We'll see how that plays out. But, oh, my God, I mean, you know, Drew, we've talked about this ad nauseum since he signed, um, that he was the number one player on Alabama's board from an offensive standpoint, number one wide receiver. Um, I think you saw that all play out last night against Louisville. And, you know, what a, what a fantastic football player. Um, you know, never, you know, muffed a ball on, on the, the punt mm-hmm. returns. Um, you know, that, that ball that Tua threw to him um, was put right where it needed to, but you don't see a lot of true freshmen that make that fingertip catch that he did on that ball. Um, and, 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 and in, you know, true Nick Saban fashion in the process, um, you know, tucked it in got the yards, got up, handed the ball to the ref, and went over to the sideline. I think that young man is mature beyond his years, has a freak show skill set, and has a chance to have a wonderful career uh, for Alabama going forward.
0: Yeah, he really does. I mean, he's going to be electric. I mean, certainly he's going to be a huge factor as a returner for the Crimson Tide. Uh, and and it's just an offensive weapon. I'm like you. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up on kickoff return soon. He showed excellent judgment, and of course, caught all the every punt. So that doesn't seem to be an issue uh, with uh, Jalen Waddle. And uh, the stage certainly didn't seem too big uh, for the young man. Uh, no question uh, about that. And then uh, with, and then I also was really impressed with Brian Robinson. They used him as a fullback uh, a little bit as well, but he got he got a chance to get in there. Uh, and ran the football hard, uh, did a nice job as as the fourth running back. And Jerome Ford even got a couple of carries late, though I still think they're probably going to use that four-game window and redshirt the young man. I think he's talented. But, but I just thought overall you saw great stuff from everyone. I, mean, I know that some people are wondering why Damian Harris didn't get more than seven carries, but there's so much talent there. And Damian Harris will get a bigger load as the year goes on. I was very impressed with the way he looked, the way he pressed the hole, and on uh, on that uh, opening drive, William, uh, and and uh, and I thought he did, and really throughout the entire game, and what sets him apart from some of the other backs so far. I know you were watching him closely. He is such an outstanding blocker, and then picking up the blitzes and everything. He did, he did a great job giving Tua more time.
1: I, I think that's why he's you know RB one. Uh, you know, aside from his talent, but also, you know, you've heard him, you know, preach in the media about how he wanted to come back and be a leader. And I certainly thought he was last night. Um, you know, you saw him, you know, either get a cramp or a lower hamstring cramp it was nothing serious. And then, you know, you didn't see him the rest of the night, which understandably so when you've got the, you know, the running back stable that Alabama does. Uh, but, you know, on the first drive, I'm, I'm sure that's what you're talking about. Um, you know, when Tua dumped the ball off to him, and uh, he picked up that critical first down. You, you saw the – and I think that's the thing that's really, you know, kind of enamored me to Damien throughout his career is he's been so durable. You know, he's not a guy that, you know, has had a high ankle sprain or uh, hamstring pulls. You know, he hasn't had the injury struggles that another – very, you know, talented Alabama running back has had with Josh, like Josh Jacobs, who's kind of stayed hurt. You know, damien has been very durable. You know, has been able to absorb that load. Um, you know, I think he's going to, you know, be a thousand yard plus rusher this year. Uh, probably will have three or four, uh, four hundred other yards receiving out of the backfield. Uh, it's going to be a mainstay of this offense. But um, you know, the 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 thing that really struck me. You know, and I think that's why it's been such a phenomenon for Alabama fans. Um, You know, we've played against the Johnny Menzels. You know, we we played against, you know, Chad Kelly for two years in a row, playing out of his mind with, you know, back shoulder throws and, you know, throwing receivers open. And, um, you know, some Alabama fans might say they disagree, but I would not trade. Um, this Alabama receiving core with Ole Miss. Um, you know, we'll find out who, who the, the better of those guys are here in two weeks. But that that's the thing that I saw last night, and I, I thought it was the, the genius of Nick Saban because he let this quarterback deal play out under the national specter. Um, watching Tua throw wide receivers open, uh, manufacture time in the pocket, now – you know, when you know when he when he banged his head last night, I got a little bit upset. But at the same time, you know, you kind of have to remind yourself that he's not very tall and he weighs two hundred and twenty-five pounds, so he's basically got the physical stature uh, of your common core SEC running backs. But you know, I think the offensive line has to kind of task themselves where they don't let him get those kind of hits. Um, I would rather see him slide versus lower his head, but I don't want to take away from, you know, what his natural running ability is. But, you know, you know, you heard and God almighty, I mean, the, the collective college football base is so pissed off today at Kirk Herbstreit, uh, you know, for quote unquote, becoming a, a Tua Tungavaloa nut hugger um, after his first college start. Um, but but you know I, I agree with him you know and I I think that you know Kurt may have undersold that forty five to fifty point game total um, you know with with Tua and this offensive line and, and those three wide receivers and that stable of running backs um this this may be the first time under you know the Nick Saban era where somebody has to get into a boat race with them and as long as that guy's the quarterback I know who the damn winner is going to be.
0: Well, uh, and that's a great point, William. And, uh, as I know, well, we're, uh, got a few minutes left on this BAMS radio episode. I wanted to go in and, and give my own thoughts and get yours as well about, you know, kind of grading Alabama, uh, for the way they played. And, uh, I, I gave the offense an A minus. The only reason I didn't give it an A or an A plus is, you know, Devonta Smith did lose a fumble, uh, which probably cost him a touchdown. Uh, they, they did, you know, uh. Uh, they they had they had a couple issues with the, some blown assignments as you said on the offensive line. Uh, they certainly uh, didn't uh, cash in late with that this is with the backups in. Uh, they weren't able to close the deal with Mac Jones the quarterback and get that touchdown pass. He just barely, he just missed Miller Forstall. But overall, you know, I thought uh, it was still a very very good performance uh, from uh, the offense as a whole. Defensively, uh, I gave them a B because there was just you know because they gave them that one touchdown with the penalties by Jennings uh, and Christian Miller that, you know, that can't happen in a closer game. They've got to clean that up. As you said, they had some issues with communication with Dylan Moses and Mac Wilson and then coverage. And so, but I thought the secondary as a whole played pretty well though. So I gave them a solid B defensively. They didn't get a lot of, you know, pressure at times, uh, but shy Carter did take one to the house. I think he's going to be a key at that nickel spot. Uh, so I thought it was still a pretty good performance when you consider uh, all the, uh, the the things that you know they the, all the, the pieces they were replacing. So I gave them a solid B on defense. It's really uh, closer to a B plus secondary wise, or excuse me, uh, the the uh, special teams wise. I gave them a B minus because of the snap and hold issues. You do miss an extra point. You do miss uh, you know a, a short field goal. The punting uh, you know left a lot to be desired, but you just have to almost still give them a solid B. I went with the B-minus because you, they did such a great job in the return area. When you have Josh Jacobs taking one to the house, when you have Jalen Waddle nearly taking one to the house, but see, that's part of the reason for the minus because you get the, the needless block in the back, but he still showed so much potential, and as you said, averaged about 20 yards of punt return. I thought overall, though, it was about a B-minus performance with a lot of room to get better, and honestly, when you think about it as a whole in all three phases, you kind of were alluding to it a second ago. It's, it's scary to think about how much better this team can get.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think when you factor in, you know, a healthy Josh Jacobs and you almost have to factor him in as a newcomer because he's been so limited in his first two years, you know, with the injuries that have been so unfortunate and, you know, A guy like Miller Forstall, who flashed last year, you know, who who got, you know, injured early. Um, You know, a a guy that could probably, outside of, say, Georgia, and that's probably it, outside of Alabama or Georgia, I think Brian Robinson could start at every other SEC school. Um, But They've got so many weapons, Drew. I mean, however Mike Loxley wants to dial it up, Um, You know, when you've got a quarterback that can distribute the football, and I think you go back to what Nick Saban said this summer about, you know, who who was going to win the quarterback job. It was going to be the guy that distributed the football the best. Um, I mean, really and truly, what was the – because I I argued with, you know, Georgia fans about this when I was trolling them um, about the national championship game, you know, where everybody thought that, uh two was passed to Devonta Smith and overtime was the best pass last year. Hell no it wasn't. It was the pass versus Vanderbilt. Uh I, I'm not so sure if the the play in the pass last night to Jerry Judy wasn't better than the pass in Vanderbilt last year. So that that's just in his first, you know, kind of quote start, Drew, where, you know, the playing time was a little bit uninterrupted interrupted by Nick Saban's plan for playing both quarterbacks. Um you know, that, that, that's a special player there with Tua. I think you've got some special players at the uh, uh, wide receiver position. Obviously, the, the running back uh, room is is probably, <clears throat> if not the most talented, you can make a debate about it with Georges. Um, but where, where it all comes, and, and it comes down to being special, is on both sides of the line of scrimmage. Uh, I'm going to make this observation because I think Alabama had four sacks versus Louisville last night. Um, and they're obviously a better football team than Austin P. But, you know, in Georgia's shutout yesterday of Austin P, their front seven recorded zero sacks. And, and that's why I think there's still a lot of separation between the Alabama and the Georgia programs. It's on the offensive line on one side of the ball, and it's in the front seven on the other side of the ball. You know, if if Terrell Lewis and Chris Allen were were available right now, it would be even further separation. But, you know, you make your biggest improvements between game one and game two. Obviously, um, I I think you might see um, against Arkansas State next Saturday at 2.30, you might see them focus a little bit more on the running game. Um, You know, with them being overmatched on both sides of the line of scrimmage and and not want to show either Louisville or Texas A&M a lot of stuff in the passing game. But, you know, I I just don't see this team being tested. Um, You know, and I'll know more about that tonight here in two and a half hours when I get to see LSU in Miami. But I I just don't see this team being tested, Drew, until uh, mid to late November. I could be wrong. I've been wrong before, um, but it's just unlike anything that I've seen at Alabama. You know, it's it's been the, you know, the last twelve years. You know, maybe outside of the AJ McCarron years, it's been a suffocating defense with a game manager at quarterback, and we're going to run the football down your throats. But we're we're in uncharted territory right now, with not just Tua of at quarterback. But with the offensive weapons that he has at his disposal,
0: really, uh, great, yeah, outstanding uh, thoughts from William Redfish Barger. Completely agree. Uh, this team uh, seems to have unlimited potential. I wanted to bring in our third amigo, Thomas Watts, the Wizard behind the curtain, and get some of his thoughts because uh, I know we it's, we've talked about it so much. Uh, over the uh, summer Thomas about how good this team could be we've debated the quarterbacks but William and I have given a lot of our thoughts on what we saw I wanted you to chime in as we're winding this episode down and give your thoughts on Alabama's first victory of the year over Louisville and Orlando
2: certainly Drew and uh, thanks for bringing me on I, honestly it was better than I thought it could be you, you know the thing that stands out to me you know I, I I watched the whole game, but the game was functionally over at the end of the first quarter in my mind. And Bingo. And, the, and, you know, oh, my gosh, how can you say that? Well, not only does Alabama score three touchdowns in the first quarter, but Alabama had 183 total yards in the first quarter. You know, uh, Chris Fowler made the comment at the end of the broadcast You know, Alabama had 500 and change total yards, something like that. And they let off the gas. It could have been 600 or 700 total yards. And and let's talk about this Louisville team. You know, if you told me to rank the ACC, Louisville certainly, I think they're a top five team in the ACC. They're behind Clemson. They're behind Florida State talent-wise, but Florida State's in the middle of a transition. Boston College is in a funky spot with Steve Adazio finally, but then you know Louisville's right in that little you know below Clemson mix, if you ask me. So it's not like Alabama didn't you know they didn't pants Austin P. They pantsed a pretty good football team. So you know I, I was I was blown away. I I agreed. You know we've spoken on this program multiple times that. To a Tonga-Vailoa was the real deal, but it's one thing to say it and then to have what was, what was thought, what we thought going into this season not only validated, but validated at a very high level. And the thing is, the thing that I've, you know, multiple conversations, and you mentioned it too, but just, you know, once more for emphasis, the Alabama offense is going to get better. The offensive line is going to continue to gel and there is going to be a learning curve it, you know it's a great problem to have you know well do i want to u- do i want to drive my bugatti or my ferrari or am i going to go buy a formula 1 car right off the streets of monza and drive that to work today cuz that's functionally what mike Loxley's doing well they're all great cars but they drive a little differently based on how you want to use them so you know, there's going to be a little bit of a learning curve. So Alabama is going to get better. And this feels to me like another Alabama football team that has happened for the past several years with Nick Saban in that you see the ingredients for a fantastic football team. But, you know, it's going to take just a little while to get some of these to, to hit that ceiling. Now, I will say, I think the ceiling for this football team is as higher, higher than any, as high or even higher, excuse me, than any team that Nick Saban's put on the field, and that is part and parcel because I think Tua Tongo-Vailoa, at least through a game and a half, is the best quarterback that Nick Saban's deployed in his offenses at Alabama. But you know, talking about the defense, I, sw- you know, Quinnen Williams is going to get drafted because Raquan Davis is getting double teamed a lot. You know, this is very reminiscent of the 2015-2016 group at the top. Not, there's not the depth there with the A'shaun Robinsons, Jonathan Allens, etc. But at the top, the question for offensive coordinators that I saw yesterday, and, you know, Bobby Petrino did a decent job answering this at times, but they held Louisville to 16 yards rushing. But, you know, who are you going to double? Do you double Raekwon Davis? Well, you probably should double Raquan Davis because he's awesome, but that means you're going to single block Quinn and Williams, and Quinn and Williams made you pay. Do you double team Quinn and Williams? Well, good luck trying to single block Raekwon Davis at that point. So, you know, all of these things combine to where Alabama came out, they did what we thought they'd do, but at a level that I- I'm frankly in some ways surprised by, and there's still a lot of room for improvement. You know, we said this before. I know it's been said on this program, and I've said it on others that I've been a part of as well. You know, if when this team figures it all out, and they're pretty close to figuring it out, there are only four or five teams in the country that can keep up with them. And there's only one in the SEC, because if this football team plays the Auburn team that I saw yesterday, Alabama's going to beat them by 30. And I'll put my mouth on that. You know, obviously things will change until November, but wow, this football team looked great yesterday.
0: It most certainly did, and uh, uh, and I want to give a special mention too to another newcomer that really flashed, and he's not only been there a short time, which is amazing. But I saw a lot of Brandon Alekeho on the uh, kickoff team. He was a huge factor. Yes. Uh, you could you can already see that he's a quick study, William. He's certainly going to be more and more a factor, I think, defensively as the year goes on. I thought it might take him to the latter part of the season. I was wrong. He's certainly more advanced and is already becoming a big part of the plans for Alabama. Jalen Moody also got in there. But those two young inside backers, I'm going to really follow their development you know, quite closely along with Markel Benton because they're going to be key to the future with certainly Mac Wilson and Dylan Moses being future Uh, First round draft choices should they stay healthy, but wanted to make special mention of that that I thought that young man really caught my eye. Patrick Sertain as well in the second half. Sertain drew a pass interference on a wide receiver uh, because he almost uh, read the pattern better than the receiver did uh, in the second half. So a lot of bright moments for Alabama and an outstanding first effort for them. And uh, in, and uh, in what they in what they were able to accomplish in Orlando. So they'll be going as William said, 2:30 uh, next Saturday for the home opener against Arkansas State. I will be there live uh, for uh, Bams Radio and 97.7 The Zone with live coverage. We'll be back with you uh, next Sunday around the the same uh, time slot, uh, and we'll be uh, bringing you another podcast to review that uh, performance for Alabama as they look to go to two and zero uh, and be uh, ready for that home. Uh, or excuse me, that road SEC opener at Ole Miss, pardon me, going into week three, which will be their first real test, I think, because Ole Miss certainly was potent offensively in the 47-27 to win on a neutral field in Houston against Texas Tech, and they will almost assuredly be 2-0 and when Alabama comes to Oxford. But as William said, they've got a great wide receiver core, led by A.J. Brown, T.K. Metcalf, and DeMarcus Lodge, but we certainly believe Alabama's go blow for blow and with waddles and our emergence as we were all anticipating will be even deeper than the old Miss group and we're anxious to see Tua go up against uh, 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 Jordan Tiamu, one of his fellow Hawaiian natives who has done a great job uh, as quarterback of the Rebels. But we hope you've enjoyed this BAMS radio. We want to thank William Redfish Barger uh, for joining us uh, this afternoon. Also, Thomas Watts, great thoughts there, Thomas, and also doing a great job producing. I'm your host, Rudy Arman. We really appreciate you joining us. On Bam's radio this afternoon, and we will be with you next Sunday after hopefully Alabama moves to two and zero with an impressive win over Arkansas State. But the big thing, Alabama fifty one to fourteen winners uh, in their opener. No key injuries, just some cramps and the the small scare from the tweak of the knee by Quinn and Williams. But the University of Alabama rolls uh, in their first game uh, over. Uh, the Louisville Cardinals, and we're looking forward, only everybody just giddy to see the continued development of Tua tonga as he has now officially become QB1, and we look for this offense to continue to set the pace this year and maybe be the greatest in Crimson Tide history, though I know uh, William was part of that 1989 group, which is still one of the favorites of a lot of Alabama fans, but I think this one has so much more depth and has a chance to be so much more explosive, and everybody's just anxious to see it going forward. But we hope you enjoyed our our BAMS radio tonight uh, and enjoy listening. We've appreciated it. I think we had over 800 listens recently uh, to one of our podcasts. We appreciate all the fans for joining us, and uh, we'll be coming to you next Sunday. Good night and roll tide.